एवरीवन सो हेयर इज आई रिमेंबर यू बाइजर शाहर दो तेर पार्ट वन चैप्टर थर्टी आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड इट्स ओनली फ्यू चैप्टर्स आर रिमेनिंग ऑफ दिस बुक देन दिस बुक विल बी कंप्लीट आई होप यू लाइक इट चैप्टर थर्टी फ्रेयर फेल्ट एज इफ ही हैड जस्ट शट इज आईज वेन द अलार्म क्लॉक डिमांडेड दैट ही ओपन दैम अगेन Yet he had managed to nap for four hours, which was not too bad. The sleeplessness he had feared had not manifested itself, nor had nightmares stopped his sleep being being restful. He had gone to bed much later than planned, and had been absolutely exhausted when he finally laid his head on the pillow. He had intended to turn in early, but the emails from Sara, with the files that he had asked her to send, had started coming in just as he was about to turn off the computer. Maybe she had hoped to interfere with his sleep that night, and he would not blame her. She was furious with him and would no doubt stay that way for some time, possibly indefinitely. He would have to live with that, and maybe that was a cleaner separation than a friendship built on sand or lies. Every email ended with the same line: "Fuck you, you fucking bastard, you monster." Fair enough, he thought. As it so often did, sleep had helped to order Freer's thoughts. Once he had gone through most of what Sara had sent and set it alongside what he had already gleaned, everything felt like it had merged into a mess of confusion. It was impossible for him to draw any conclusions or even discern a coherent thread in the swarm of reports he had gone through, nor could he find anything useful by fast-forwarding through the CCTV recordings from the petrol station forecourt. This had not particularly surprised him. Why should he all those years later spot something the investigative team had overlooked? He had been a fool to think he might. Nonetheless, he had viewed all the clips diligently, though at high speed. It was like watching a cartoon in which people did not walk, but waddled like penguins in a hurry, and cars seemed to appear and disappear at random. But Freer had no choice. He could not watch for hours a recording of a garage forecourt at normal speed. The reports, however, he read word by word of the dozens he went through. Freer set only one aside for further perusal. The others told him nothing new. The one that captured his attention had sparked something indefinable in his mind. It was the testimony of one of the boys who had taken part in the game of hide and seek. A boy who Freer had noticed never looked him in the eye the few times that their paths had crossed after Benny's disappearance. The one who had mentioned the submarine. At that point, he had been too burdened by grief to wonder why the child was behaving that way. But now, time and distance granted him sharper vision. Freer did not know whether he had worked through his reading while half awake or asleep, but by the time he had woken up, he had realized that certain details in the boy's statement did not fit. They were not glaring errors, and only the few people closest to the situation could have spotted them. So it was understandable that the police had overlooked the inconsistencies. If that was indeed what had happened, it was perfectly possible that they had not had all the reports to hand, and that further conversation with the boy had shed a better light on the case. Either way, Freer was going to sort this out before the end of the day. 
how he did not know but he had enough time to find out he had also realized some other things during the night concerning his accident and concerning his accident at arthunspareka the day that benny had vanished in the recording only the car he had hit was visible not his own and not the trailer that the man had removed and positioned in a third parking space they had parked on the edge of the forecourt in the only place where there had been spaces the other driver could be seen stepping out of his car and walking out of the frame and freer knew they had been talking during the time that he was gone then he returned took his insurance paper from his glove compartment and disappeared again while they filled them out just over a quarter of an hour passed before he appeared again stuck the papers back in the glove compartment and then walked into the petrol station where he stayed for half an hour probably having something to eat freer had known all of this beforehand yet he had woken wondering what had happened to the insurance papers the claim had never been followed through he had neither lost his no claims bonus nor received any notice that he had been in the right his car had not really needed repairing after benny disappeared a dented bumper had not been high on his and sara's list of priorities nothing but benny had mattered and the accident had been forgotten like so much as at the time but now this struck him without his understanding why maybe it irritated him maybe it irritated him that there was a loose end that had been overlooked it was still dark outside rear emptied his cup only to refill it with more flavorness instead coffee double the amount this time to help him wake up properly He was off day but had still set his alarm clock as if he needed to go to work of course he realized now he could have slept a little longer he could not get hold of anyone so early in the morning which meant there was nothing to do other than pace and drink coffee and yet he could call sara who never slept in and tried to apologize she deserved both the apology and the chance to yell and hurl obscenities at him Don't hang up Freer said hurriedly in case she had only answered so she could tell him to piss off I have got some stuff to tell you then you can shout at me as much as you want You are not worth it her voice was so cold there could be no doubting her conviction just fucking say it and then leave me alone Sara paused for a moment before adding for the rest of our lives Sara I was an idiot I am not going to try to make excuses for what I did. It was despicable of me. I could not withstand temptation, but I should have. I failed you, my job and maybe Benny too. But the worst thing is that I let you down in such a horrible way. So you never went to the hospital and that's why there was so little insulin in the box? Was in was it just some old leftover stuff you had lying around? Did you falsify the data in the hospital pharmacy? You busted. Sara spoke so quickly that it reminded Freer of the fast forwarder recordings he had watched the night before. I went to the hospital Sara and got the insulin. That's the truth. But I did not stay there to work like I told you. Instead, I was with this woman. That's why I was late. She had called and since I was going to get the insulin, I had an excuse to see her. Where did you meet up with her? 
there was a pain in her voice which he found harder to bear than anger he might go he might gain some absolution for his sins if she just bowled him bowled him out but seeing the raw wounds in her heart was a different matter freer cleared his throat and hoped that she would not now ask where precisely they had had sex but if she did he would lie to her for the very last time he did not think the away for clutch of adulterous sex on his desk would make things any easier at my office she suggested it classy there was a brief bitter silence where did you meet this whore of yours did not she know you were married yes she knew she was married too now it was freer's turn to hesitate if he told her the whole story he would be placing his job in her hands to some extent he let it out she was one of my patients she wanted help with martial she wanted help with martial problems and with life in general her husband had had an affair with another woman and she felt as if everything was falling apart around her so she thought it was a good idea to mimic his behavior huh she was she has a mild personality disorder sara which is why her treatment lasted longer than the several meetings that it took for her to reconcile herself with her martial issues heightened sexual aggression is a common complication in her disorder she instigated it though i am well aware that's no excuse when i discovered that she was attracted to me i should have immediately referred her elsewhere rather than started an affair with her but that's not what i did and now i have got to live with it i have not seen her since that day at my office nor have i spoken to her she never made another appoint appointment so i did not have the chance to break it off as i had resolved to do i swear he declined to mention that the women had been exceptionally beautiful with a fantastic figure it would have been nearly impossible for any red-blooded man to resist her advances sara did not need to hear that that's the most pathetic that's, that's the most pathetic apology i have ever heard sara was angry again which made freer feel almost relieved she had not said a word about reporting his transgression though she might well do so later utterly pathetic you are a fucking loser i mean it never call me again she took a breath there is just one thing i want to know so i don't accidentally end up speaking to this mad tart of yours again she breathed in sharply as if gathering the courage to ask the question what's her name lif player player cleared his throat again her name is lif The insurance company had no record of a damage report for Freer's car on the date in question. The service representative obviously could not explain why the other party had not sent in the information and suggested that Freer speak to the man's insurance company, but Freer could not remember which one it was. He had no idea what had become of his copy of the report which he remembered showing into the glove compartment of his car before driving home from the petrol station. Sara had got the car when they divorced and since they last spoke true to her word she was refusing to answer his phone calls. This particular trail would lead now here unless something changed. Freer's conversation with Sara had brought up memories of his meeting with Liv that fateful afternoon. memories that he had long since pushed aside 
At first, Benny's disappearance had crowded everything else out, and as time passed, he had tried to forget about the affair, which was made simpler by the fact that he had not heard a peep out of Liv. But now he remembered everything. When she came to the office, she had been quite interested in the insulin in the little paper bag. Freer had taken it out and showed it to her, explained what it was without mentioning Benny, as he preferred not to discuss his son with the women with whom he was having an affair. Her first question had been whether it was possible to get high from it in case they should spice up the sex. When he had told her that no, the drug was dangerous to anyone other than diabetes, she had asked all short of questions that he had thought arose from stress, assuming she had simply welcomed the chance to have something to talk about. Would you die from it? Could it cause a heart attack? What about an irregular heartbeat? And could that kill someone with a bad heart? God, I am glad I did not try it for fun. He recalled how later that same day when the police had wanted to see confirmation that he had gone to get the insulin, it had come to light that there was only one pen left in the box. Now that he could face up to his own feelings and his thought about all these were unencumbered by the fear of Sarah finding out about his affair, it occurred to him that Liv might have seen what had become of the truck. Maybe she had noticed at the time that the pens had fallen out of the package as she handled the box or had taken them out to have a look while his bag was turned and then put them down somewhere, after which the cleaning staff would have removed them or threw them away. It was a long shot but not inconceivable, yet another irritating loose end. He decided to call Liv and simply ask her about it, to go straight to the point even if it was uncomfortable. But she did not answer her home phone which was listed in her name only. Her husband was apparently out of the picture, no great surprise, and her mobile was either out of range or turned off. He had hit another wall. It might help if he called the boy he suspected of having light. He would still be at school but ought to be home shortly. The hypothesis he had in mind was a little crazy, but he knew he had to speak to the boy without him being able to hide behind his parents. Of course, it was just as likely that the kid would hang up on him, but that was a chance he would have to take. As he waited for the right time to call, he read the report on his statement and compared it to the statements of the other children. He made notes on the printout so he so he would have what he needed to hand when he reached the boy, particularly on the details he felt did not make sense. With the papers in his lap and his phone in his hand, he sat on the couch and tried to think of something useful to do while waiting. But he could not think of anything and despite all the caffeine he had consumed, he dozed off, starting several times when his chin dropped to his chest though he always managed to make himself comfortable again and fall back to sleep. It was not until his phone rang that he woke, annoyed with himself at having wasted his time. It was Tegni. I have come across some information that will probably surprise you. Oh, Freyr could not force himself to sound interested or alert, and she did not bother asking whether she had woken him. 
Ursula, that patient of yours who started talking about Benny, was in the same class as Bernadette, Hala, and all the others. She was not in the class photo. Maybe she was off sick the day it was taken. Prayer set up. His sluggishness vanished like dew in sunlight. How did you find that out? Of course, of course, of course. She was born in the same year, 1940. So it made sense that she had gone to the same school, being a resident of Istakhundisur. I finally got my hands on some old records from the school, which I searched for when the similarities between the break-ins at the primary school and the preschool became clear. There is more. It seems that she and Bernadas were good friends. I found a report by the teacher in which she describes her surprise that Shushila had finally formed a close friendship. It appears that she was something of a social outcast. She had probably been bullied by her classmates, but that's not mentioned explicitly since no one gave much thought to such things back then. The teacher's statement is a bit brusque, harsh even. She definitely sides with the class as a whole at the expense of the other two, who were obviously weaker personalities. It makes for very peculiar reading, and I did not feel particularly sorry about what happened to the teacher after I had gone over it. But in any case, the connection between the two kids is clear. Is there any way I can have a look at it? Priya rubbed his sore neck as he tried to imagine this. Yushla, the girl everyone loved to hate, forging a relationship with a new member of the class who is also a weirdo and outcast. Do you know what usually happens in this kind of situation when two children excluded by the remainder of the group join together? No, what? The group senses that there is strength in not being completely isolated and an unconscious decision is made to sever the bond between the two excluded individual. It is probably one of the most viscous forms of bullying and those who experience it seldom or never repair their friendship afterwards. Are you suggesting that the kids killed Bernadas so that they could keep bullying Ursula? No, not necessarily. It is just a very interesting angle. Finally, something that connects all of this, and that might help me crack Ursula's shell once she is feeling more life talking. Should I drop by? Dagny asked, then sounded embarrassed, as if she feared he would read too much into her words. I am actually finished for the day. I worked at double shift yesterday, and I would not. and i would rather not be here any longer than i have to so it would make more sense for me to come over than for you to put yourself out by coming to the station sure see you soon prayer hung up immediately aware that he must not waste any time if he were going to call the boy before dagny arrived he doubted she would approve of his methods he dialed the number his foot jiggling nervous nervously as the line rang and rang When he was almost convinced that he had have to try again tomorrow the phone was answered and a child voice greeted him Hello is Hamir there Freer felt as if he were making a prank call Oh yeah the voice sounded surprised that's me Hello Hamir my name is Freer you might not remember me I am I was uh, Benny's dad do you remember Benny Yeah the boy was on his cart Why are you calling me? The police 
the police gave me some old reports to go over and i saw a little something in them that i wanted to ask you about it is nothing terrible and it should be easy for you to answer my questions i don't even have to come to your house it is such a small thing prayer was barely breathing is that all right with you mm, yeah i don't know prayer rushed on in the report it says that you hid behind the garage in the garden next to mine so you did not see where benny or some of the other kids went then you realized you were late for your cousin's birthday party and left before you were found is that right yeah i think so i don't remember really it was a really long time ago I know but we should just assume that the police wrote down correctly what you said but now two other kids say they also hid in the same garden one says that he hid behind what he thought was a shed and the other behind the bushes they could see each other but neither of them remember seeing you the thing is that garden only has a garage no shed so either you were in the same hiding place as another boy or somebody is lying or somebody remembered incorrectly which is it maybe i hide somewhere else i'm not sure hamir prayer tried not to let anger get the better of him it is all the same to me where you hide i just want to know whether you have any idea what happened to benny and i am not concerned about why you did not tell us before you were so little and everyone can make mistakes i won't mention this conversation to anyone else and you will feel so so much better if you tell the truth exactly as it happened prayer drew a deep breath and calmed himself there was little more he could say now at least nothing that he could live with saying to a child benny needs to be found hamir he wants to be found and i'm sure you want to ease your mind at first you said that benny wanted to hide in a submarine did not you Mm, mm, the boy sounded on the verge of tears. You promise not to tell anyone, especially not my dad. When Dagny arrived, Freer opened the door to her without saying a word, then turned and walked to the kitchen like a ghost without checking whether she was following. He sat down at his laptop and resumed staring at the screen. Is something wrong? said Dagny. She repeated the question and Freer finally found his voice. Benny, I think I have found Benny. He kept staring at the screen in a manner of speaking. What do you mean? Dagny's tone suggested that she thought he had lost it. He ended up here, just out of frame. You cannot see him. Freer pointed at the edge of the laptop screen where it met the black plastic casing. Dagny went over to him and bent down to see what he was talking about. She raised her eyebrows when she saw the fridge framed image of the petrol station forecourt. The car Freer had hit was visible in the lower right hand corner. Unfortunately, I don't know what became of this car or its driver. In other words, you think Benny ended up in it? In other words, you think Benny ended up in this car? Was he kidnapped by the driver? How do you work that out? Dagny was extremely calm as he speaking to an inebriated member of the police a member of the public who needed to be calmed down he did not get in the car and i don't think the driver did anything to him freer was struggling to find the right words but if i could find him i would find benny dagny peered more closely at the screen move she said gruffly taking freer's seat as he obediently stood up 
she fiddled with the keyboard a bit enlarging the part of the image that showed the cars at first fair thought she was going to try to read the license plate number which he had tried to do many times but before he could say anything she turned to him frowned and said i know all about this car and nearly everything about the driver she held his gaze unfortunately he believed him to be dead thank you for joining me i hope you like it uh, this was this one is very long i know thank you